0: Lord, open your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. If you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 42. Psalms 42. This is a well known psalm, at least it was in the days when I first got saved, because there was uh, in the 80s, there was a popular uh, worship song that a guy just south of us in Washington State uh, did a song called As the Deer Pants for the Water. And he used King James language as the deer panteth for the water. Um, So my soul longs after you. So Psalm 42, we're going to just read the first uh, five verses of this. As the deer pants for the water, Brooks, I'm reading from the New American Standard, as the deer pants for the water brooks so my soul pants for you O God. My soul thirsts for God for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. For the help of his presence. God bless the reading of his word. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. The psalmist begins this psalm, before he gets to verse 5, he begins this psalm by saying how much he's longing for God. And he says, like a deer... Uh, panting for the water brook. About a month ago, I shared the story of, of, of a hike I had in Washington State uh, Washington State in the Cascade Mountains, and it was in July, and it was a hot day, and I, I mentioned how on the hike and on these switchbacks, I'd get to a place where there'd be a creek running down, and, you know, the thing would be, you know, it's coming from an elevation where there's a glacier somewhere up there, and that water would be so refreshing, because it's, you know, it's hot, and it's hard work going up those switchbacks, and I'd get there, and I'd drink a little of that, and I had the same experience experience in the Rockies in, uh, near Jasper, um, where, you know, you're hiking and you get to that water and it's almost intoxicating, it's so refreshing when you really need it. Uh, and the psalmist is saying, As the way that a deer pants for the water brooks, you know, and the deer is always on the watch, is there any prey around, they've got to get to that water, they need it to sustain their life. But they're always on the watch, but they get there, they're longing for it, and maybe they're held back, that kind of thing. They get there, they have a drink, ah, life. There's life in it. They've got to get there. And the psalmist is saying, my soul is panting for you the same way. Does anybody else feel convicted by that? I do. I read this psalm at times, and I think, okay, was this guy just exaggerating? I don't think he was. And I would say I've had times in my life where I've had that kind of a desperate longing, maybe a desperation, but oftentimes, am I really longing for God like a deer is longing for that water? Like, ask yourself, am I, am I longing for God? I mean, the word pants for water, like, you know, I'm, I need it, I'm desperate for it, like I'm convicted by that. I'm convicted by that because I, I've had moments like that, but it's not the status quo. It's not the status quo. And then you meet somebody who's just, oh, I just want God. And, you know, and I know that it's been said before that new believers kind of have that, and I mentioned it last week. In the first days of being born again, I mean, I went to bed thinking about the new life I'd found. I woke up thinking about God and how he, you know, the interplay of the living God with every aspect of life. And it was glorious. And I don't think we're supposed to lose it, but kind of like falling in love, that initial maybe euphoria might change. For a more mature kind of love that I'm standing with you I'm committed to you I love you deeply and we're you know we've we've got a history together those kinds of things well here the the psalmist you know I'm panting for you I need you so much I'm longing I'm desperate for you I think that would be a good thing for us to pray on a regular basis God give me a desperation for you give me a longing for you like if, if we are humble enough to say, mm, I'm not really, I can't totally relate to this psalmist and say, I'm panting for God. My soul is longing for him like a deer for water. Mm-hmm. Then let's ask for that. Let's ask for a spiritual hunger, a spiritual thirst. Is that okay? Amen. Can we do that? A good prayer all this week. When you think of it, oh, God, give me a deeper longing for you. A more desperate thirst for you. Give it to me, please, Lord. I want to want you. And I need you to even do that. Authentically, I want to be able to say, I'm longing for more of God. Not religious talk, not hype. But, oh, I want to be able to say, God, I'm longing for you. When I get a glimpse of him, often... I long for him more than I want him more. I got a glimpse, okay? A couple of other thoughts from the lead up to verse 5. He says, Like a deer panting for water, so my soul is panting with desperate thirst for you, O God. Then he says, verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. It's like, just to clarify... (laughs) I don't think he had any doubt, but I think as he's speaking out this psalm or in this case probably writing out this psalm of praise, I'm longing for God, let me be crystal clear, the living God. I don't want a god of religion. I don't want some historical figure who said good things previously or did great things previously. I I don't even want just the historical Jesus. Oh, he healed the leper. He healed the blind. He multiplied the food. He did one good thing after another. He did those things. Even the glorious work of the cross, I don't want it to just be a historical thing. I want the reality of what the cross means today, and the Savior who went to the cross is alive today, and he wants, that living God wants to interact with us, and I want to long for him, not just historically, that, oh, I have a good memory of him. You know that thing how memories, sometimes you have a memory come through, and it it's like, oh, I, I feel something wonderful about it. Anybody have that? Where you remember a place or time? I have memories sometimes of being in this buddy's dining room in the afternoon, the sun coming in the window, and we had fellowship. And I remember that warmly. It's like, oh, that was, a, that was an enjoyable time. Um, there was something good about it. But it's compared to a now experience it kind of is like this, right? Rose and I have known each other for a long time. We've made a lot of great memories together. But if we're apart, if I go somewhere, or, or she does, and we're apart for a while, those memories compared to actually... She's hoping I'm not going to go somewhere bad with this. I'm not. Um, when, when we're together again, it's out of all proportion to the good memory, right? Right? Uh, maybe not for her. <laughs> she's she's quite happy. Oh, honey, I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, here here's your bag. <laughs> well, she Does the deadbolt from the other side leaves the key in there, so I can't open it. <laughs> I'll be here with the kids. You know, I'll call you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the, the memories can't do it. You know, like you remember really good food. We watched uh, about a year ago. We watched the movie about Corey Ten Boom. Uh, a lady from the Netherlands who went through the Holocaust. Her and her sister were put in a concentration camp. And uh, we watched a movie about their lives. And there's one part where they're in the... uh concentration camp and they you know they've got to work and they're being fed almost nothing they've all got lice they've got bad 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 conditions and they're in this flower bed and there's maybe four of these women they're all wearing rags and they're working in there planting flowers and you know doing this kind of thing or vegetables or whatever it was that was in there and they were talking about recipes the one lady she's in their memory because they're they're starving but she's talking about this apple cake or something that she made and they're down there on their hands and knees and she's saying oh and then just this much flour and you put this ingredient no and it's she's reminiscing about oh and that thing was so good and another lady says oh it's really good if you add in such and such too and this lady says you get your own recipe and it's kind of like you're you're not even talking about a tangible reality you get your own recipe I've got mine and but that thing, they're talking about food, and it's almost kind of cruel because they don't actually have it. But the thing that means the most to them right now would be, oh, to be able to eat something. And the, rea- the memory is kind of nice, oh, that thing it was great, but it's almost kind of cruel. They want They need the real thing. We can long after God, and a memory of him is not enough. It's like the manna. I need, the, I need it now, not yesterday's. I need it today, because I want to actually eat. I need God now, the living God. My soul thirsts for God, not just a memory of him. My soul is thirsting, for because then He look at where he goes next. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The next line in the New, uh, New International Version says, when can I go and meet with God? It's like, my soul is thirsting for God, for the living God, not just the memory of him. as good as I might be, I want to actually be with him. I need the now God. I need him here now in this moment, not just uh, uh, there, you know, it's impossible for a memory to compare with the, the now reality. There's value in memories, all that kind of thing, and benefit, but it's limited. Even the best knowledge or memory, the most vivid ones are nothing compared with actually being together. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I go and meet with him? When will I encounter him again? Okay, and that's this where the language changes to encounter language. The psalmist is thirsty for God. I need you now. When will I go and meet you? The language of encounter. Encounter is essential. Yes. It's just such a key. Our lives begin our, our real life in Christ begins with an encounter with God. And in, in order to be sustained, that needs to keep happening. That needs to keep happening. To encounter God, to meet with the living God. The um, inspiring people of the Bible who I admire most are people, and, and of history, the people that I admire most are people who encountered God. People who knew by experience who he is because they they had contact with him that 's what I want don 't we all like we don 't want just a a sort of you know two dimensional God right? We want the living God we want to, we don 't want to just know him on paper we need to actually encounter him yes. now he continues and shows that. Um, Uh, this longing he was experiencing was coming in adversity. It wasn't just longing that, you know, he's kind of going along and, oh, I should be more spiritual. Oh, I long for you, God. No, it was coming at a time of adversity. Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Now this is so, to me, this is really current. Um, My tears have been my food day and night. There was some adversity. Everything wasn't great. It's like, God, I need you now. I'm I'm struggling here. There are circumstances that are less than desirable. And even around him, it's not fashionable to hunger after God uh, because he's hearing this from these adversaries saying, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Man, I, I, I can hear that in our culture. Even the thing that I said about Franklin Graham and this kind of thing. It's like, yeah, where's your God? You religious zealots uh, or religious uh, people. Uh, you're believing a fairy tale or whatever. Where is your God? And the psalmist is saying, I hear this. They're saying it all day long. They think that you've gone because you're not acting in, in an immediate way that they can see. So there, this, he says, I've been calling for God with longing and it's gone unsatisfied, day and night. To the point of tears, grief, pain, hope deferred, disappointment, maybe feelings of being overlooked or bypassed. Anybody feel like that? You cried out to God, God, I need you in this. I'm hurting. And you don't seem to be stepping into the situation. Anyone feel that at all? Thank you. I felt this for sure. God, what about me? Have you forgotten me? And the world is only too happy to say, yeah, where's your God? While I have this abundance of disappointment and tears, you don't seem to be nearby. And they're saying to me, where's your God? Man, that's our generation. No one is going to magically take care of things. While you pray, we're going to do something about it, as though prayer is nothing. Your God is a delusion. That's what the world wants to say. These cries are constant, especially against the God of the Bible. You're not nearly so ridiculed if your God is a tailor-made God of your own making. People will, you know, will abide with that, but not with the God of the Bible. God, where are you? Please reveal yourself. Show yourself your power, your love, your glory. Affirm what's true. Affirm what's in here, God. Do it, please. Vindicate those who believe the truth. I remember these things, he says. As he cries out, my tears have been my food. While they say to me all day long, where's your God? Then he says, and we were singing this in one of these songs today, uh, I pour out my uh, life. These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession. This, this is almost like Corey Ten Boom and her sister and those ladies thinking about, oh, I remember that food and it was like this. The psalmist is now saying, boy, I remember when we were going with praise into the temple to worship God and now he's not in that place. I remember when things seemed good, like oh, praise was everything that mattered. God was there. We celebrated him. God, now you're not really there. That's what this verse is about. I remember this and I pour out my heart. God, what about those days when, look at what he says. We, I went with the throng in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. It was like a praise party. Man, we've had some of those. At times, I think back to some of the times we had where, oh, worship was just so glorious. The presence of God seemed so almost tangible. It's like, oh, God, you're here. And then there are those other days where it's like, what happened? God, I thought you were here with us. What about it? I remember those times, okay? Then he gets to this verse, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? This is a little bit odd because it seems like he's already kind of answered that. He's, his soul is disturbed because he's saying, I'm panting for you. I'm, I'm longing for you. Uh, his enemies are saying, where is your God? It seems like he's kind of already answered the question, By everything that's gone before. So now, the psalmist is talking to himself. (laughs) Does anybody ever do that? Do you ever say to yourself anything? Yeah, no. Do do you ever say to yourself something like, come on, Lucy, you can do better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever say something like that? Like, oh, come on, Jane, you can remember that. What was that thing, you know? uh, you know, you say those kind of things. I mean, I don't ever say, come on, Lucy, you can do better than that. <laughs> I, you know. But I say those kind of things, and you know, it's easy to descend into negative talk and say things like this, which I shouldn't, but I do it at times and need to correct this. Like, ah, oh, John, you're an idiot it's like, I shouldn't be speaking those things over me. I should leave that to Rose to say over me. (laughs) Um, I, I, you know, you're talking to yourself. And here the psalmist is saying this thing. He's saying, why are you in despair, oh, my soul? My sister-in-law, when she used to have final exams when she was at UBC, which, you know, was one of those times and she said, oh, when I had finals, then it was like she was in despair. And she wanted to do anything but study for her exams. So the house was spotless at that time because, you know, you're trying to, you don't want to study, so you clean. And she used to, there was a song again back probably in the late 80s that went like this. And it used this verse in the King James uh, kind of translation of it, it said, Why so downcast, oh, my soul, put your faith in God? And it was kind of this up. Beat kind of thing. Why so downcast, oh my soul? That sounds kind of like, you sound kind of perky to me, but you know, why so downcast? She used to sit at the piano. Rose Rose used to tell me about this. When Diane was bummed out about having to study, she'd sit at the piano and would play it in like a minor key. Why so (laughs) downcast? A dirge. And she would sing it. And here the psalmist is now speaking to his own soul. Why are you so, why are you in such despair? Why are you so downcast? Now, I look at that and I think, you know, he's kind of jarring himself out of a funk. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like he's saying, get out of that. You shake that off. Pick yourself up. Come on. Think about it. Hope in God again. He's not gone. And, you know, you're kind of thinking, you're longing for him. He maybe seems a little distant. But wait a minute. The circumstances that are putting you in despair are temporary. They will pass and he will not. He'll still be there. Why are you in such despair? And I like the next way he says it. Again, this is in um, Hebrew poetry, this thing called parallelism, often emphasizing the point by saying it again, just slightly different. In a slightly different way. Why are you in despair, oh my soul? Why are you so, why have you become disturbed within me? Something's not right. And he's jarring himself out of it. John, get out of it. Get out of it. Your eyes are only on all of this stuff. 2 Corinthians 5 7, in a context that talks about, kind of like this guy, circumstances are challenging in the world. And then he says this thing, wait a minute, we don't walk by sight, but by faith. Yeah. We're not walking by just what we can see in the natural, because if that's the case, guess what, we're always going to be in despair. That's right. I, uh, there are days with, you know, I, the thing that I talked about at the start of the message about Franklin Graham and the agendas that are being pushed and some of the things going on in our nation, you know, and breaking the law and blockades and, you know, all of these kinds of things, the economy and a virus, you know, spreading around the globe and, you know, and then knowing that actually there are other things like the flu that are already all over the world and that are killing more people than the COVID-19 virus. There's all of these things and it's easy to almost get overwhelmed, disturbed, and, oh, I give up. Let's just, let's just sell the house, buy an RV, and move somewhere into the middle of the, the tundra in the Northwest Territories, and we'll live up there. What do you think, sweetie? <laughs> no! Like, you know, I'm in despair, and it's like, oh, it's too much. I don't even know how to deal with all of it. And the psalmist is jarring himself and saying, why are you so disturbed? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. It's like, wait a minute. I'm going to be praising him again. This stuff's going to pass. He's not. And I'm going to be still standing saying, God, I'm trusting in you. Everything's falling apart. There's all of this. I, I need you. I'm longing for you in the midst of all of this stuff, God. But... Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, even if our God doesn't deliver us, even if he doesn't, we will not bow. We're not going back. We're not taking... If he doesn't, then we'll look at it, just like in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, where it talks in the Faith Hall of Fame about all the people that saw this great deliverance and this great victory and this and this. And then you get to the end of the chapter and it says... Others didn't see the breakthrough or the victory, but they went down without casting aside their faith. They went down. It's like, I'm, I will yet praise him, even if it's not on this planet. I'm not going to go down. I mean, it's, there is a bully spirit in our culture. And, you know, I didn't face a lot of bullies in my life. Um, I wonder then, maybe that's because I was that. No I, no, I wasn't. I was too small to be that. It's like, gee, wait a minute. The, that's right. I, I once had a fight with a kid because my buddy and his buddy fought. I thought, oh, now I need to. And I was in grade six at the time, and this kid had already had a growth spurt. Mine never did come. <laughs> This kid was bigger than me. And I thought, death. you know, it's this guy thing. I don't know why it's there. It's like, it, you know, why would we be embarrassed to, to think, no, physically, you know, in a fight, I'm not that formidable. <laughs> this guy, I stood there and I'm thinking, oh, I'm quick, I'm fast. Ooh. You know, this kid went between my eyes and I literally saw double. He hit me. And I'm like, I was not the bully. I'm not, I, got, I did get one punch through on that guy. And by the time it got there, Ryan, stand for a second. Only, you know what? <laughs> a better example would be probably Taraz or something because of his height. I got one punch through. Put your arms up. Okay. I got one punch through. And by the time it got there, it started out here, a fist. By the time it got through, my hand was like this. <laughs> and it was kind of like, you know... And he was a nice kid. He didn't, you know, keep going and pound me out. And by the end, we're both crying and hugging each other like, you know, six-year-old boys. So anyway, that was my life as a bully. So that was over fast. But this whole thing of a bully, as if nobody's getting in his way and circumstances our world, the spirit is like that right now, the spirit of the world, it is a bully spirit. It wants to intimidate and you keep you down. And No, oh, no, I can't. Like, that's too formidable. But if you at least say, no, you know what? You're probably going to take me out. But boy, I'm going to throw something. I'm going to throw something. You're not going to get out of this unscathed. I'm going to go down swinging. And in life, there's a bully spirit. And the enemy wants it. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He'll roar and the lion will do that. And, you know, another creature will, uh, its prey, will sort of freeze. The adrenaline goes and it sort of freezes and... uh, Got him. Doesn't even put up a fight. Takes him out. But, if we at least, okay. No, nope, you got me back in a corner. And the, the circumstances, the spirit of the world are going to take you out. Hey, let's go out swinging. Let's go out reaching for God. Claiming, God, why are you so disturbed, oh my soul? I'm going to yet praise him. I'm going to hope in him. I'm, I'm going to go down. Okay, he took me out. But I didn't let go of my trust in God. I did, I'm not going to let go of it. Why? He says. Hope in God for I shall again praise him. Now the New American Standard and the King James word it this way. And it's more literal. For the help of his presence. Or King James says his countenance, his face. Uh, many of the other translations, New Living and that. They, they say what the result is. They say my savior and my Uh, what is it, and my God, or something like that. They say the result is my salvation. But here, literally, for the help of his presence, he's nearby for the help of his presence. This word presence appears hundreds of times in the Bible as countenance, or face, or facing, or faces, this kind of idea. Or the word presence, it it shows up as uh, eyes, or visage. It means all of these things. And basically what it means is this concept. This is what I want us to walk away with. We're disturbed, we're longing for God, it seems like he's not there. But then the psalmist says, I'll yet praise him for the help of his presence, like He's present. He's now the living God with us. But it also means this. And I, I love this. It means he's you've got his attention. His face is toward you. And sometimes the word means face just as in the actual face, which is good enough. It means he's turned toward you, even though it didn't feel like it. But it also has this um, other element of turned toward you in support. It's like there's goodwill. It's like, you know, I I saw this a few, well, I've seen it almost most, most weeks that we have church. Little Elizabeth comes in and she loves me. And I love her. And the, this is beautiful. She knows I love her. She comes in. And we're doing something. I'm having a conversation. And I, I love this. I was talking with Sheena a few weeks ago over there. And Elizabeth is coming over by the food table. And she's doing something. And I'm talking to Sheena. And I'm listening. But I'm looking down. And Sheena's here talking. And Elizabeth is over there. And she does this. She looked up. And she caught my eye. And her face went like this. Like, it was, it spoke volumes. It's like, oh, there's a favorable face. He and I have a thing. We're we're good with each other. He supports me. He loves me. And she knows I do. And I know she likes me more than anybody. (laughs) except Casey Uh, and even Ryan and I I think might be tied but (laughs) she loves me and I could see it a favorable face you can see it and God's face is turned toward you Mm -hmm. it's like oh I'm longing for God these circumstances my tears oh God how can you be missing this don't you see and you maybe don't even realize it right now his eye, he's turned toward you. His face is toward you, and it's favorable. He's looking, and it's like, oh, really? God, you've forgotten me, but he's got his eye. He's looking, and I'm just like, Whoa. yes. Like one look like that, that look that Elizabeth gave me, and she does it most times, she walks in, and it's like, doesn't matter what conversation is going on, he wants to talk to me more than anything. And God is turned toward us. And the beauty of God is because he can be everywhere at once. His face is on each of us. It's not like, well, I'm sorry, Brenda's got some bigger needs right now. So Geraldine, you're, you're out of luck for the next few minutes. Not God. <laughs> Praise God. You know, it's like, oh, my needs are just small. So I, nope, not God. Turn toward him for the help of his presence. I want to close with this thought. The presence of God. I want to have it. I want the presence of God. I want to live in such a way that I can know that God's attention is on me and favorably. Um, I want us to be people who are hungering and thirsting and longing and panting desperately for more of the living God and knowing that he's not trying to resist. Yeah. He wants to be continually having that now interaction, you know, that term that gets used so much, in the moment. God wants that. He wants to be close by. So, Father, I, I pray for... Anyone in this room that might be in despair, whose soul is disturbed, whose uh, longing and saying, God, have you forgotten me? Where are you in all of this? Or maybe just as bad, maybe even worse, if we've gotten so kind of indifferent that we're not even aware anymore that we need you or we should want you. God, I pray for the Holy Spirit to do that work in this room today to stir us, God. I, I pray that where there's already discouragement that it would be like the sun breaking through the clouds that people would know that your eye is on them for good. Your face is toward them. They have your attention. God bless us. Thank you, bless us in this. I pray, Father, this... Even this word about your presence. Even when the word isn't used. All through the Bible you talk about being with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You're with us. Even to the end of the world. You're with us. You're present, God. Thank you, Lord. I speak over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.